Behind the Music Biz, a Raised Rowdy podcast hosted by Peyton Heben. watching the uh, Behind the Music Biz podcast presented by Ray's Rowdy. We're here with my good friend Ivan Haro, aka Churro. Um, so let's just dive right in. The day-to-day manager for Ben Chapman and Meg McCree at yep, Red Light yep. Management. Yeah, yeah. Um, you've done a lot of things in this business. I've been moved around a lot. I've been trying to cover wear as many hats as possible so yeah it's that's awesome yeah let's start going all the way back to how you got started in music um would you where'd you go to college or did you go to college so i did not go to college i did a little bit of college but i ended up um kind of getting into the business because i played music in high school always loved it always been a part of it so i moved when i lived in denver Um, I stopped playing music, but I liked the business side of things. So I actually got in with a buddy of mine. Um, he was like, dude, let's like design merch for bands. And then, so we just met a couple local bands in Denver, started designing merch for them. We helped them kind of promote it at local shows and then they would take it on the road and whatnot. But I liked that side of things, um, the management side and the business side. So I kind of took a liking to that. So I, I slowly, slowly progressed, but, um, I was actually like in between jobs at one point and I was with this company that I worked for for 12 years and I was just over it. And I was like, I need to do what I love, which is music. And my buddy who, um, he hit me up and was like, Hey, I need a tour manager. And I was like, no, because this is like my best friend, Tyler rich. And he, he needed someone to like start off like as a tour manager and whatnot. And I was just like, dude, I don't want to ruin our friendship. Like, I don't want to get into an argument and then things are going to go sour. And that's like it right there. But, um, after a couple times of asking me, I was like, okay, I'll do it. And I just was super green in that industry there touring. I hadn't even toured at that point. I just kind of done some local stuff for other people. So I went on the road with him and, um, he brought in somebody else as well too, to kind of help me and, you know, bring me up from being super green into like just kind of moving up. And so I brought in my experience with merch and I went from there and then started guitar teching, um, tour managing, booking flights, you know, travel, that kind of thing. And, uh, from there just kind of took off, man. I just kind of did what I needed to do. Move up, move up, move up, move up, whatever I had to. So, so what about what year was that? How long ago was that? Oh my gosh. We started with Tyler Rich. So with Tyler, I think that was 20, I think it was like 2017 when I first started, like, and at that point, like where he was in his career, where I was doing too, still, like living in San Diego, I was kind of just honestly like getting to whatever shows I could just to be present and just to learn the, the business, yeah. you know, like I, whatever he needed, I would do it. But like, I would just try to get to everything I possibly could on my own. Yeah. So, I mean, I remember one time we did like a whole California run. I'm living in San Diego. The shows are in like Northern California. That's an eight hour drive. 
got in my car and drove, you know, whatever, whatever we had to do, we made it work. So all that time tour managing, it was assistant or a uh, little bit of both. Honestly, okay. I mean, that role was kind of pretty much shared. So, so no experience in that previously. Yeah. You just kind of dove right in. Yeah. So you started tour managing then Matt Stell. Uh, I was assistant tour manager for Matt Stell. So I moved over him because they also needed some help with like the merch world. And I was, I was able to kind of look at like what he was doing, make some new designs, get some new stuff in there and kind of help bring on that area of business, but focus on it. He was also just coming off of a number one. So there's so much going on. And you know, this, like when you've got traction, there's all kinds of moving parts that are happening Mm -hmm. from every direction. And for a tour manager, it's really hard to focus on like everything altogether. So you start to build your road team. You start to get the guitar tech or a merch guy who just does merch, just does this, just does that. So that you've got a full focus and a well-rounded organization, like on the road, you know, like that's like your tour world right there. So, um, yeah, came in to help out right there and became the assistant tour manager and just did a couple different things within that camp. So just right into the deep end. Always, no, always dude. Yeah. That's the only way to do things. I feel like, you know, like it's just such an experience based industry that like do everything you can. Really. Like, school's great, mm-hmm. but nothing prepares you for this business like experience, especially touring. Like the touring is, is another beast. You know, it's the, I was always told this and it's like, it takes a special kind of person to be a tour manager. And with that, like, I, I didn't really realize what that meant until I went on the road and your sleep patterns get messed up and you're every night, like in a van or a bus or whatever it may be. Like you, you don't know exactly like what time you're going to go to bed or what really is going to happen that day, but you're going to wake up somewhere else and you're going to do it all over again. And you're doing it with you know, hopefully your best friends or people yeah. that you can call family because you spend so much time out there on the road with them. So basically the whole point of this podcast is to educate people that are like you, that are like me, that I went to college, but I had nothing to do with music business. Yeah. So people that didn't go or have nothing to do with the music business, I learned through listening to podcasts. Yeah, totally. So I want this to be educational. Hell for yeah. those yep. people. So for anyone listening, could you like explain more what it's like to be a tour manager, like the, what the job entails totally. and then uh, totally. any advice you would have to someone who's listening that that's what they want to get into yeah. or they don't necessarily know. I feel like a lot of people nowadays too, like don't necessarily use their degrees. Like they say, you know, um, I mean, I, I can, I know tons of people who, have a degree, whether it's a bachelor or a master's, and they're not they're not using it for exactly what they went for. But at some point in their life, like they maybe they followed a passion of theirs and it kind of guided them a different direction. And I, I feel like that's honestly like what I saw. Like I just got tired of working this job that I was at for so long, which I won't mention what I was doing. But um I, I would just said, dude, I gotta do something that makes me happy. And when I thought about it, I was like, really, it's like, it's music, man. Music has always been a part of my life. Whether 
when I was a kid, you know, you listen to music, like you get in a mood and you listen to music and it puts you in a, in a different mood and you're just like hyped up over something. Like it just, it lights a fire underneath you and it feels good to be able to be a part of that in any aspect, whether you're on the road, whether you're in an office, anything at all. So I've, I'm kind of like, I just tell everybody to, to really like, if that's something that you want to get into, start wherever you can. And, and this is also told to me too, but like, say yes to everything. Like anything that comes your way, say yes to, because for one, the connections. Yeah, you never know what it's going to do for you. You never know what it's going to do for you. I mean, I can tell you, I remember pulling up to a golf course. I was golfing one day and somebody called me and was like, Hey, I want you to go, um, go do merch for Hardy. You know, it was like, they needed a fill in for like a weekend or whatever it was just so happened. The artist that I was working with was gone on a trip somewhere. Um, I think they were doing like a USSO show in like Aldafra. And I was, I was like, yeah, I'm free. I would love to help out. So I went and helped out. And then now, you know, you've got a relationship built there with not only the artists, the crew, but management, yeah. you know, like you just, you have to meet as many people as possible to keep things rolling and stuff. It's, it's always, I don't know. It's always weird how small Nashville is. They say, you know, like it's, it's such a small town, but when you figure if you're a good networker, it's kind of like everybody realizes that they need to be networking. Mm -hmm. So if you're a good networker, you're going to meet everybody that you need to know really fast, hundred percent, really fast. And you're going to know where you need to be yeah. too. Red door. Shout out to red door. Yeah. There's a lot of places. <laughs> I mean, for me, I don't mean like, I don't know how it was for you when you got here, but it was red door and live Oak. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Those two places. Yeah. You could meet every single industry professional. Totally. It's those writers places. rounds, man. Like yeah. they're, they're so valuable. They're so valuable to not just people who need to network and be in within the music, but it's also valuable to up and coming artists, people who, you know, aren't even pursuing the artist thing, but they need to get their songs heard. So they're just songwriters, mm -hmm. you know, um, it's, I don't know. There's something special about Nashville that does that to people too. Yeah. Like it really does bring out like a whole next level type mentality. Like everybody's here for a reason. And like, whether you're doing the music thing as an artist, a songwriter, a manager, whatever it may be like Nashville's very, very special for that, yeah. for doing that. And it starts out like a lot of things in Nashville start out as friendships. Like you with Tyler yeah. rich, you were friends first. Yeah, totally. And he was just like, I, totally. need, I need somebody. Yep. And then boom, tour yep. manager, Tyler rich. Then you get the Matt Stell job. Yep. So then end your tour managing career, essentially. Tour managing, yeah. And then you go to, this is a big one, production management. Production assistant, assistant. Yeah. 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 On the dangerous tour with Morgan Wallen. Yeah, man. That was, uh, that was definitely a big year for me. And like I was talking about networking, I think that was probably the biggest year of networking for me as well, too. Like I probably wouldn't be in the position that I am today had I not been on that tour with everyone there. Um, just being such a big tour, just so many people come out on the road, songwriters, management, just, we had so many guests on there. Like it was just, uh, it was a big thing. So 
it definitely helped out a lot as far as 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 far as meeting the people that I needed to know as well too, but also being associated with a tour of that capacity and that you know, Dangerous Tour was his like first huge tour you know yeah uh, and he was that's when we all knew like okay morgan's back you know and it was it was awesome it was awesome to be part of that yeah so what was like what essentially was your role as the production assistant i mean is that like is it similar to tour management in any way um i will say tour managing definitely helped out with that role but it's it is a completely separate role we we would do so there's two of us too at one point there's two of us doing doing that so anything the artist is going to need the band needs the crew needs i would always like try to help out as whatever as much as possible um direct duties i was handling the guest list if we had guests i'd be able to go run and grab them if we need to bring them back whatever it may be um, also like things like setting up dressing rooms, making sure that our hospitality was set up correctly. Catering was correct. Um, buses are stocked well, ice, water, snacks, food, whatever is needed. You know, it, it, you know, there's a lot of guys that work long, long hours. So having like one case of water on a bus sometimes isn't enough. And it sounds like a small thing, but like dudes would come up to me and be like, yo dude, can we get two cases today? Cause it's literally like a hundred degrees outside yeah. and I'm just, yeah, I, it makes sense. You know, like, like something like that is actually very important. Surprisingly, it's just think about water, you know, yeah. <laughs> but whatever is needed, like I'd be always just happy to take care of and help out Definitely out there. So what was it like being on the road? How many dates was that dangerous tour? Dude, that tour was like, I think it broke history. It like made the record. Well, books for yeah. I mean, uh, the tour itself, I don't know exact number, but I think overall the year, I think it was like 76 to 78 dates or something like that. So I remember seeing something that it was like one of the largest tours, I think under bad bunny or something, something like that. Probably. I mean, it was, it was every, like one of the biggest, every show we did, we would always be like the next day we'd be like, okay, what numbers did it break? You know, like, yeah. it could have been anything. It could have been just like attendance or ticket set, like whatever it may be always broke records. Yeah. And I mean, obviously that, that was uh, pr pretty cool to see every day. <laughs> yeah. But that's such a nuts jump from tour managing. I mean, Tyler rich, Matt still both have had radio songs. I think Tyler's yeah. had some radio songs. Oh yeah. Um, but going from, those guys to the one of the largest names in music yeah. overall. Yeah. That's a huge jump and a huge opportunity and career changer for you. This is another perfect example of networking. So I had gone to a show in um, Rupp Arena. I think Morgan was doing like three dates there at Rupp Arena. So that's Louisville, Kentucky. Mm -hmm. And I went on like night two. And I saw his assistant tour manager, who's Cody, that I've known from the merch world. Mm. So, yeah. And so, basically, I, I was talking to him, and he had mentioned to me that he was, like, now assistant tour manager. He'd come from merch, you know, now he's assistant tour manager. So, I was like, that's great, man. I was like, dude, I've got, like, a slow January, February. Like, if you guys need any help with anything at all, let me know. 
And he was like, yeah, no problem. You know, and to me, I'm thinking, okay, maybe he won't, he'll hit me up. Maybe he won't like, you know, who knows? Like, we're not like super close buddies, but like, we know each other very well and we're both active on like Instagram. So he can see like what I'm doing type thing. Um, sure enough, man, he sent me a message and was like, dude, we're creating this role that we need. And if you would like, like, I would be happy to throw your name in the hat. And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. Like, you know, again, say yes to everything. You know, I didn't know what this role was for one. He didn't really know what it was going to be either. This is a brand new role in a massive camp of like 75 people. And it's a, it's a new role. So no one really knows how it's going to go. So we kind of played it off. Like, uh, it's going to be a kind of a catch all type role and you don't really figure things out until you do a couple dates on the road and things get rolling and you, you kind of figure out your routine and like what is needed from you. So, um, like I said, say yes to everything, man. And he hit me up and did a little interview with the, the TM at the time. And yeah, there it was. But that's also like you talked about the networking. It's a big point Yeah, that if you're out networking and there's a low level merch guy, yeah, maybe he can't do anything for you at the time, but don't blow him off. hundred percent. Like if there's, if you want to go network with big artist managers yeah. or big tour managers, and then there's this guy that's running merch for like a right. no name artist, right. like, I'm going to blow him off. Well, you don't know if he's going to be the tour, a tour manager for someone right. big next year. Right. Right. You never know. Merch is a big thing, man. Like I actually really enjoy doing merch. Um, not only do you get to interact with people, but like you get to really see people's like personalities and stuff. But you, when you see numbers, it's a, it's a massive part of that business touring and the online sales. Like merch is like a serious thing that I think people sometimes look at it and they're like, Oh, it's just a merch, just merch. But like, it's, it's a big number to really like focus on. Cause when you're starting off, like merch sales was what gets you to the next place. Yeah. That's gas and food for you and the band or whoever. And then we keep going and like merch numbers. Okay. That's what's paying for your bus. And then you get to like, you know, a big level and you're like, okay, that's what's paying everyone's salaries for a year, you know, like type deal. Right. So that merch, merch is definitely something I learned a lot about. And now in my role currently, I'm, I'm doing a lot of merch stuff still, um, kind of like overseeing it and, and whatnot to see, make sure merch numbers are going to grow yeah, and they're going to have good quality like products. Cause you also, I nerd out about like, Oh, it's gotta be, you know, 80, 80, 20 cotton. Oh, this yeah. and that. Oh, it's gotta I'm be, it's gotta way. be bell canvas. You know, it's gonna last. I wear the same exact type of t-shirt every single day. Yeah. And it makes sense. Cause you know, what's good quality, you know, it's going to last, you know what people want. Mm -hmm. You kind of, you learn that stuff over time. Yeah. So, yeah. So before we get into your current role, going yeah. back to the tour management and the assistant production, what was the biggest, um, I guess difference in that jump? And the adjustment? Um, definitely not having to pack up and leave every weekend to being home and just going into an office and coming back every single day. My, my mind took, it took about a month or two to actually realize like, okay, I'm still working in music, 
but I'm just doing something different now, you know? So I, I got married last year in, um, in September and we purchased a house shortly after. So I, I really am grateful to like be able to come home every single day to my wife, my home and like enjoy it. And I don't necessarily know that like with the timing in my life and everything, if I would have been able to enjoy it the way I am, have been, mm -hmm. if I was still continuously on the road, right. like, like, heavily on the road, you know? Um, but the transition itself going into an office, you have to like learn the culture of like what's going on around you. You know, at red light, we are, it's an independent type business. So you got like pods, you know, everyone's got an artist and they've got their little teams going on, but like you, you got to be social still and you have to like have fun at work because you're going into an office. It's not a show. It's not a concert. No, it's not like, like crazy, anything crazy going on, but like you're still a, very much a part of this like business and you're creating a well-oiled machine within your business and everybody around you has a role. Yeah. So I had to learn a lot, dude. I had to learn like stuff that I would normally just assume was like a given like posters for a show or how a show gets announced stuff like that like I had really no idea how that kind of stuff happened until now and I've just learned so much about the business side of things that it, it took me it took me a while like you put me on the road you put me like out on a tour bus second nature you know, like whatever you, you need me to do second nature. I've done it for seven years. No problem. But this new role, like I really had to like learn what, what we're doing, like, what are we doing and learn a whole new like way to stay organized as well too. Yeah. But a huge part, huge part of it. So if you're looking, if you're looking to get into like management or anything, learn to be organized. Oh yeah. Big time. <laughs> big time. Big time. So the dangerous tour ends. And you want that, like you talked about, that being at home, yeah. in the office, coming home, not being out on the road all yeah. the time. You do go out on the road periodically, though, yes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I will absolutely help out any of our artists um, wherever they need be. I just did three days with Lainey, which was luckily, luckily enough, it was in town. Yeah. She was on the Hardy Tour, so we did three nights here at uh, Municipal, which was really cool. Um, so I helped her out there. Uh, ben and Meg, both my artists that I, I do day to day for, I will go on the road with them in a heartbeat if they need me. Um, so yeah, I will absolutely travel. So once that tour ended, you obviously decided to make that transition. Mm -hmm. How did you get, how did that red light job present itself? Cause I remember right when that ended, we kind of had been talking a little yeah, bit about yeah. the management side of things. Um, you know, honestly I had, I'd really put my feelers out. I said, I got to do I got to do something that's going to be, it's going to help me move myself in my career, like where I need to go. So original goal when I moved to Nashville wasn't to be a tour manager or it wasn't to be a merch manager or, or anything like that. It was to be an artist manager in the end, you know? So I, I feel like I owed it to myself to say, okay, I'm going to exhaust all of my options before I take another offer on the road. And I had, I had been given a few offers to jump back on the road, like almost immediately. And I turned everything down, which was a scary thing, you know, cause like, that's like your comfort zone right. 
touring, being on a bus. That's what I know. And I said, no, I got to, I got to level up. I got to do a little bit more. And I exhausted everything, man. And so I reached out to some people who surprisingly, man, like four or five people were all like, Oh, get a hold of this guy, Ryan, get a hold of this guy, Ryan over at red light. And dude, he was the guy to know apparently. So I was like, cool. Reached out to him. Someone connected me with him. And, uh, and um, he had passed on my name to uh, Mandolin Monchik, who she manages Lainey, Lainey Wilson and Ben Chapman and Meg McCree. And so she reached out and she's like, hey, so I heard like you want to come off the road and I've got these two um, independent artists that I'm looking like for a day to day manager for. And I'm like, funny, you mentioned them because I actually already know them. I already know them pretty well. And so it was it was actually just like a perfect fit. I love um, Ben's music, guitar playing. Like, dude is amazing. Absolute rock star. And then Meg herself, just newly getting into the artist thing. She's been a songwriter for a long time. But her voice is like, it's un unreal. So I had already a massive belief in like what they were doing and what like they were going to be doing. So I was like super excited to like to jump into that. And there we go. There was my in, you know, to to move up and do what I was trying to, you know, accomplish from the beginning. So you have Mandolin, who is the artist manager through Red Light. Yes. And then you were under her as the day-to-day. -day. Can Correct. you explain the difference between yes. the artist manager and then day-to-day the -day manager? Right. Okay. So the, the best way to explain that would be, I guess you would say the artist manager. So like Mandolin makes like all the connections. So she's the one who has like the big network and gets the connections, creates the interviews, the podcasts, the shows and, and whatnot. And I take care of all the logistics. So I make sure that all that stuff happens. Show, hap shows like, you know, are booked through the agent. Mandolin passes everything on to me to make sure I'm making sure everything's announced, um, making sure their calendars are organized making sure they are doing everything they're asked to do as far as like promotions or whatever it may be, you know? So that's, I think that's the thing is logistics. Like a day-to-day -day manager handles the logistics. The artist manager makes things happen. Gotcha. Yeah. So you don't work with Lanny Wilson. Mandolin only manages Lanny. Your day-to-day -day for Ben Chapman, Meg McCree. Right, right, right. But what's it been like to see firsthand Lainey's team and her success Dude. just announced 2023 yeah. CMA entertainer of the year entertainer of the year, and dude. female vocalist. Yeah. Of the year. Like the two yes. highest rewards. I know it. Rewards you I know get. it. Um, I mean, I'm very much around, around all that. So it's, it's pretty amazing. I'm not going to lie. Like I, I can sit back and watch mandolin work and just, the next day after those awards, like people were just congratulations, like nonstop, you know, it's just such a massive time in, in Lainey's life in Mandolin's career um, for all that stuff to be happening. It, it's pretty cool. So Bailey is my role for Lainey. She does day to day for Lainey. And um, I think, I think Bailey came in like middle of the year too this year to start doing that. 
um, she's amazing, but she's, I mean, I can't imagine how on top of the world that whole team is right there just because what they've accomplished in such a short amount of time. Big time. It's big time. Crazy. It's, it's wild. It is wild to see. But I, I love, you know, being a fly on the wall in, in the office and just listening to what's next, what's going on, and, like, how big how big can you really be? Like, it's unreal. Yeah. It's unreal. And that's going all the way back to the beginning when we started talking. Yeah. And how the best way to learn, it's not – it could be sitting in a classroom, but it's just, like, yeah. experience. Yeah. And, you know, I, artist management, you just dove right in, and now you get to be yes. watching. Yes. One of the biggest yeah. like success I'm, stories in music. I'm I'm very fortunate that where I landed in this company that Lainey, you know, is the one that I'm also watching from afar and like learning from like what's happening in her career. What can we do there over here that's gonna like kind of reflect like what did what happened right and like where can we put that into play on our side over here? But um Man, it, it's it, there's just so many things that are going on that it's hard to also absorb all that stuff because you're watching this happen and this happen and you're just like, oh, taking notes every time you can and it, it's it's overwhelming sometimes, but like again, you got to be organized yep. and not just to like learn from what's around you, but also like taking the risk to get y your world like handled as well too you know like correctly efficiently and also at the same time always like be moving forward because you can't just say okay we're gonna do this radio uh this person's gonna play our song on the radio well you can't just see it as there and that's where the wall stops you need more you this person's gonna play a song on the radio cool can we get them on a phone call during that time when they're going to be on the radio, like there's more that you can always get that's going to help you. And I've learned that a lot from Mandolin. She's been uh, a really cool mentor to, to watch and learn like the extra, the little extras that will help yeah. someone's career. I mean, as a manager myself, I yeah. can, I could sit and talk to her for oh, yeah. hours and just, yeah. like, I would come out of that conversation like, night and day yeah she's she's great man she has i mean she's got a lot of experience she's been doing it with laney for a long time and i just know i just know that like there's a lot of valuable information that you're still gonna learn like in college you know but again for something like this like you really don't know what's gonna come across the table right. you know like there, there's always times that I'm like, man, maybe I would be better if I did go to college at this like one specific thing, you know, but, um, like in, in touring, I never, I can't say, I actually, I can't say that. I can't say I never said that about touring the touring world, but I, I definitely believe that in both of these in the management and also in touring, like you, you learn from experience. Yeah. You really do. And you I, really do. I mean, that could be anything in life. Like, finance i mean you could totally sit there in a classroom Man. and then if you go work i still wish i would i still want to take a finance class yeah. like i need help adulting for sure i mean i <laughs> i definitely if i could go back and do it all over again i absolutely would go to school yeah. for music business because there's i had to learn a lot of things there's a lot of things i still don't know yeah i mean i've bought so i think belmont uses like a a certain textbook i just bought it off amazon 
said, I'm going to read this front to back and yeah. learn myself. Yeah. Because there's a lot of small things in there that you wouldn't totally. I totally. bought an entertainment law book because I'm not going to go to law school. Yeah. I got to figure that stuff out because by yourself, lawyers are expensive. And- yeah, absolutely, dude. I mean, there is there's a reason that there are like niche jobs that people get into. Like lawyer perfect example but not just a lawyer like there's lawyers for everything you know like every like one guy specifically does whatever divorces and one guy does like you know uh like taxes and like all that kind of stuff so it's it's all it's all money and as you know when the artists are just starting off like you really learn how to like pinch pennies and like make a budget stretch because you have to I mean, it's expensive to get on the road and do shows sometimes at like a, a, like a beginning artist level. You don't always come out on top, right. but the exposure you got or the money you made off of merch and the fans that you grew or even like the social media content you were able to pull from that, like is invaluable. Like it's just worth so much more than if you made a couple hundred bucks 100%. off of it, you know, so. Yeah. So with, with all your experience in the music industry thus far, mm-hmm. the uh, tour managing, the production, the artist management, what would you say is the hardest part of the whole industry? Even if it's not any of those, it could be just living in Nashville and trying to make connections. I mean, honestly, I, I would honestly say that might be that might be it is living in Nashville because Nashville, like they say, there's very few natives here. Right. You know, like most people that move here are moving here for a reason because you need to be here to make it music, to do the music thing. So I think that's probably is really the hardest part. And you just have to, you got to have the personality, obviously, to meet people and be likable or whatever. And you've got to be able to ask for more. Like, Like you can't be scared to to reach out to somebody and be like, Hey, if you hear anything, let me know. You know, like you, you really do have to be a little bit aggressive, but not in like an annoying way. Cause obviously nobody likes that kind of yeah. person, but just enough to show that you really want something, you know? Um, I mean, it's, it's just so many people out here that are all trying to do one thing and that's make it in the music industry. So, you, you have to overshadow some people sometimes like to, do whatever to, it takes to touch on what you just said. Yeah. Cause that's huge. Yeah. For me, not knowing anybody coming into Nashville, I was like, shoot my shot in DMS yeah. every day. Totally. I didn't, I'm sure it's some, some people probably thought I was annoying. Yeah. There's a lot of people that didn't answer and there's a lot of people that gave you the time of day. Yeah. And I mean, I was shooting DMS to like, anybody like yeah big, there could be big managers like i did the same thing totally did the same thing what i hated was when people follow you and then like they unfollow you and then follow yeah. you again like because they're trying to grow you know like yeah. they're uh they're falling yeah. on there but 100 percent, any uh, anyone and everybody dm so just i mean that's just like it could be anything getting advice or my biggest thing was like oh i'm gonna be in town this time yep let's grab coffee Yeah. or like I'm free here. Let's grab coffee. I want to pick your brain, not right. asking if you go in immediately asking them for something. What, what's your, I mean, what's your opinion on that? So there's a saying that I absolutely love and I learned it in like 
like sales, doing sales. It's that um, nobody cares what you know until they know that you care, you know? And if you really think about that, like you can come up to me on the street and try and sell me something, whether it's you, whether it's an item, but like, what do I care what it is, you know? But if you're genuinely like you genuinely like give a shit about something or you care about me, I'm probably going to listen to you. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm probably going to like take your advice a little more serious. So that's, that's something that's always stuck with me was nobody cares what you know until they know that you care. Yeah. So, yeah, that's great advice. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> but, feel, uh, feel good about that one. Honestly, <laughs> <laughs> clippable moment. There sure. you go. Boom. Um, but uh, I honestly don't know if this camera's recording anymore. <laughs> I think it shut off. Oh, dude, this one's not blinking over here either. Yeah, I think they shut off. They might have died. Dude, it's going to turn into a half half video, half audio. I might just have to release the audio. <laughs> That's okay with me. That's um, all good. But uh, That's hilarious. Yeah. First episode, just getting the hang of it. Yes. Now I have to buy the camera the plugins. Uh, the chargers to keep them to keep rolling to keep rolling yeah i don't even know if that's it those cameras just might be like on a timer like if they're not used you know like they just shut off type thing who knows i I gotta get used to all this stuff but um episode one dude that's awesome uh, hell yeah yeah, i'm pumped episode one yeah this is like i mean i've never sat here with somebody and recorded a podcast ever in my life dude i'm like the first star wars movie yes for you that's sick. You never, for, you never forget your first. <laughs> right? Yeah, totally. <laughs> oh, man, that's awesome. That's awesome. But uh, last thing to wrap everything up is for anybody listening, whether they're in the industry already looking to get something else or they're content with where they're at or they're a young kid that just for some reason wants to be in the music industry, doesn't know what he wants to do, what's your advice them about the industry um honestly like i said earlier man just say yes to everything because you never know what it's going to lead to and you never know who you're going to meet and if you can just nail that down like just do as much as you can learn as much as you can absorb as much as you can and meet as many people as you can something is bound to happen you know it's a numbers game too so the more people that you meet you're just I don't know, man. I can't even tell you how many times I've sat down for coffee or lunch with people um, in the same role as me just to pick their brain, not just not to like need anything from them other than like, hey, what are you doing so good that I am not or like I just need to learn like like what you're doing well. And how can I like adapt that? Do you feel as though there's any competition with that whatsoever with maybe certain people? No, honestly, no. Unless, unless, you know, the person's like an asshole or something like that. But you, you definitely have some of those out here too. Like Nashville's full of those types of people. Like I have my secrets. I'm not going to share. Exactly, dude. Exactly. Yeah, totally. But I mean, that's kind of like, I'm not in a competition. Like I'm not, I'm not an artist, you know, like I'm, I'm willing to help anyone who wants help you know if i can help you what does it hurt me you know like i'm not gonna like basically help your artist get to 
or it doesn't hurt me to help your artist get to another level. Like I'm still in my lane doing my thing. Right. And you know, when our time comes, like I would hope that people are willing to, or remember that, you know, like, Oh yeah, you helped me out yeah. that one time, dude. Like, you know, whatever it may be. So I'm, I'm always, dude, I love meeting new people and like finding out what they're doing and like what their routines are. Maybe they have like some organizational trip or tip that they could share with me. And I'm always down to listen. Yeah. Like I'm always down to listen. So, yeah. Um, I also forgot to ask this. Yeah. But beginning, I, when I introed you, yep. obviously I call you Churro. Yeah. So how did you get that nickname? <laughs> um, so I actually, so when I lived in San Diego, dude, I would go to Disneyland all the time. Like I love Disney. And we, if, if you know Disney, you know Disneyland churros are the best churros. Disneyland, not Disney World. You see, I'm from Disneyland. Florida. Uh-uh. Disney World churros are not as good for some reason. I don't know what it is. It, they're just not, they're not on point like uh, Disneyland. Maybe I'm, I'm like biased because, I don't know, the, the, the stations that they have always were like super cool over there. But I was just like, just you know, spending a day at Disneyland and I'm just keep eating churros. And, and my buddy was like, dude, you eat another one of those things. You're going to turn into a churro before I knew it, dude, I had literally eaten 11 of these things. (laughs) I was so sick the next day, but, um, walked away with a nickname from that. So (laughs) 11 churros at Disneyland did it. That's what did it. Were you sober? Sober, sober. That's wild. Yeah. I honestly, Disneyland is so much fun, but I never really done it drunk. I've never done it like, like I can't like drink and ride all these rides, you know, but Disney or Epcot where you like drink around the world. world, I mean, that's a different story. That's super fun too. You know, I had some friends that went and did it and like they stopped at every store and dressed the part, took a picture at every single country. It was pretty cool. Pretty epic. Well, I appreciate you. Yeah, man. I love being here. Thanks for having me. Episode number one, dude. That's pretty rad. Yeah. Congrats on that, too. <laughs> we'll have to do a lot of editing, maybe re-record. Hey. If you need to. If you want to do the camera, we'll have to see. Yeah. I got to figure all this stuff out. Audio first is fine, too. I'm okay. Yeah. Um, cool. Thank Sweet, you. dude. Hell yeah. Yeah.